The following opinions expressed within the content are solely the speakers and do not reflect the opinions and beliefs of Child Free Media Limited or its affiliates. Hello, Child Free Family and friends. Cody here. Welcome to Child Free Family's presentation, Let's Talk Money. This is episode 10, and we are talking about financial decisions for singles, couples, and groups. I know, sounds interesting, right? Uh, I'm Cody Hetzel, the founder of Child Free Family. Uh, for those that don't know, it's a micro uh, social network for child free people. And, uh, you know, like, you know, back in the day when social media used to be fun, that's kind of what I'm trying to create, but just for child free folks, there's no crazy algorithms telling you what to think. No, nothing's tracking you because I don't care. Uh, and it's got a cool map. So if you get a profile, you'll get a little ping on a map with your city, not your house. I'm not getting that creepy. Uh, but you can maybe find some child-free friends. Anyway, I'm also the co-founder for the child-free convention coming up in July of 2022. And it's a free virtual international event with various topics and speakers from all over the world. A very cool thing. But today I'm going to be joined by Dr. Jay Zygmunt. Dr. Jay, what is up? Dr. Jay and his wife are child-free. He has a PhD in adult learning from the University of Connecticut and is a certified financial planner. A key thing to note about Dr. J is he is a fiduciary, which means he must put the needs and interests of his client above of his own. And on top of that, he is an advice only and fee only certified financial planner. So in other words, he's paid for his time by his clients. He doesn't receive kickbacks, commissions, incentives for selling products, which is cool in my opinion. Uh, but his clients pay him for his time and advice and he helps them learn to manage and make their own financial decisions. Dr. J, how are you? Hey, good. I didn't realize we've done 10 of these already. It's you know? 10. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Who'd have thunk it? <laughs> and so uh, at, for our 10th time, here's a quick reminder, everybody. This is our disclaimer. Uh, the following views, thoughts, and opinions expressed are for entertainment and educational purposes only. Please seek the assistance of a professional to aid you in your financial decisions. Uh, so our topic today, uh, if anyone looked at it, it seemed kind of, kind of, interesting and odd if they were like what, what is groups what, what's going on here but hey we'll, we'll get to that in a second um so let's just start off with the obvious one so financial planning for a single person yeah and before we even dig in there any of these discussions have nothing to do with what your romantic status is if you're single and dating somebody you're single from a financial mm -hmm. standpoint if you're in a couple and you're whatever it doesn't matter when, when you look at couples and groups that might look a little weird but hey, people are buying a house now with four of their friends because they can't afford it. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean they have to be romantic. They might. Who knows? <laughs> but you have to look at it as what is your financial plan? Does that mm -hmm. make sense, Cody? It makes sense to me. I, I, I've seen stories, too. It's like, you know, single parents that are divorced or they're buying houses together. They're like, you know what? We're going to do our own thing, raise our kids in a house. So, I mean, hey, you know, parents are doing it. Child for people can do it, too. <laughs> yeah, I think actually, and this is a side note, but I think you're going to see few years down the road, people buying communities together, you know, in their elderly years, all child-free folks and just, hey, we bought, you know, I heard somebody wanted to buy a castle for all the single ladies over 55 mm -hmm. who are child-free and just live all in a castle. Castle's yeah. a little drafty, so, but, <laughs> uh, hey. Well, you got, you got a moat and, you know, whatever. So that, that sounds like fun. Uh, I mean, right. we, my wife and I joke about having like a child-free compound in the future where it's like for child-free people in tiny houses or something, but. Yeah, pipe yeah. We're not allowed to say <laughs> compound. That gets a bad. Uh, I know, bad. I know. 
It, the, the correct term is intentional community. There we go. Intentional community. No longer communes or anything like that, but it's the same concept that worked <laughs> years ago. So, all right, Cody, how long has it been since you've been single? Um, I, I, I don't even remember. <laughs> yeah, me neither. It's been. I, I mean, out of the, thank God with all with all the <laughs> dating apps and all that. Whew, I feel for y'all out there that are single. I, I mean, if you're looking, if you're single, want to be single? Hey, more power to you. Not a problem with that. But if you're looking. <laughs> Yeah. And for me, it's, I don't know, I've been married 12, 13 years, so been quite a while. So I, mm -hmm. I don't know that I know the single life, but the single financial planning is pretty common. So here's the thing to keep in mind. Child-free folks, 32.1% will never marry. That doesn't mean that they, they're not a couple, they're not a long-term relationship. They don't have that piece of paper that says, I'm married. So... You can either do your finances as a single, or we'll talk about how to be a couple and do two single financial financial plans. But you have to think about it a little different. So the bonus of being a single person is it's just yours. You don't yeah. have to fight with anybody on how to spend money. Um, my my wife and I have had a few of those, you know, going, What are you spending money on? <laughs> she just she just sent me a message. Hey, my friend wants us to go to a destination wedding in Canada in like three weeks. I'm like, Yeah, I don't have the extra money for that. But that's like the fun of being married so single you're on your own the downside of that is you're on your own mm -hmm. and one of the things i talk about with single folks is you want to make sure you have a plan but you want to have an accountability partner i don't care who that is it's not really like a financial person you're not like hey i need a cfp to check up no you can but you need somebody to at least go hey cody i don't think that's a good idea mm -hmm. your wife i'm sure does that for you is that fair Oh, yeah. Back and forth. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And part of that is when you're single, you can get stuck in your head. You know, so a great common one of this one is I got to buy a house. Mm. Maybe. But when you're alone, you just it just gets stuck and you're on that replay. And somebody from accountability somebody just says, stop. Is that going to get you to your goals? Mm -hmm. Or, hey, you said you were going to pay off your debt this year. How are you doing? Mm hmm. Yeah, so student debts or like really a car, you know, like people might say, hey, you know, you're on your own. You want to buy your your first new car. And someone might be like, hey, look, I bought a new car. If you want the experience of buying a new car, I get it. But like there's nothing wrong with one that's a couple years old and you're going to save a ton of money. Yep. So you need an accountability partner that can call you on your BS. OK, that's just the way it is, is we can all justify any expense. I had oh, somebody. Yeah. <laughs> I had somebody yesterday say, well, what do you do if you, it, it, housing is crazy right now. We're, we're right now in April of 2022 and housing prices are insane. The mortgages are up and everything is in, a little bit crazy. He says, well, what do you do if you have to buy a house right now? And I was like, you don't have to buy a house right now. You can rent. Yeah. It is an option. It still <laughs> works. So you need somebody that can do that to you and say, hey, nope, you don't need the new Mercedes or Hey, Cody, you're saving every penny and you need a new Mercedes. <laughs> way. Yeah, that's true. Does that make sense? It does. It, I mean, yeah. So just, just a, a confidant, someone that, you know, uh, and, and do they need to be also kind of in your situation? Or could it, if you're single, could it be a married friend that you have? I'd love, it'd be great if you had a child-free single folk yeah. to compare because they're going to understand things differently. So I don't want to get stuck in the, the child-free bingo of, Hey, you got all the money in the world, so you can. And there's uh -huh. that assumption. Ideally, you want to partner up with somebody who you're calling them out and they're calling you out. 
Mm-hmm. It's a mentorship type relationship. But we're all right. We're gonna have a cup of coffee or a virtual drink or whatever adult beverage you want. Yeah. And we're gonna go over our finances. Yeah. Once a how month. you do, how you doing on your goals? Like just you know, catching up. And I will tell you that takes some trust to to share that. Bonuses now with Zoom, you can actually share things and they can see it and work that through. But you want to have somebody that at least is in your same type of life. Mm-hmm. You know, so for example, if I had an accountability partner who makes triple what I do, they're going to look at things a little differently than I do. It's yeah. Not that they can't help me. It's just we're not in the same ballpark. If I call Uncle Warren Buffett and I'm like, hey, Warren, like. <laughs> we just learned Cody's uncle is Warren Buffett. And now we know why. Uh, I'm joking. So it is a joke. <laughs> we'll, we'll have to check on that. <laughs> no. Fact um, check. So you want to have that accountability partner. That's the first one thing. The second thing as a single is you have no choice but to make sure all your paperwork's in place. That means your living will, your will, power of attorney, and medical proxy and executor. So mm-hmm. I'm going to step through each of those. When you're in couples or groups, and if you're working singly, you're going to do the same thing. But I want you to make sure you have this paperwork. So we start with the living will. Living will says, do I want to, what, what's my medical options? Do I want to stay in machines? Do I not? And who's going to make the decision for me? Mm-hmm. That's one of those that's really hard when you're single. You have no next of kin. So the hospital's like, oh, who do we call? Yeah. You need to have that paperwork. So you need to figure out somebody to do that. Um, some people have taken the other thing, and I, and I do like it, of paying a professional trustee to do that. So let me explain this one for a second. A trustee is somebody who is, there's all second term, a fiduciary. They have to put your financial interest first. But you pay them to follow your guidelines. You can do the same for your medical as your your financial. You're paying them. Uh But the bonus there is you're not relying on your nephew or your your friend to do this for you. And you don't have to be a burden or anything else. You just write the check and that's what it is. And it's usually like local banks or like a local attorney might do it. Because you want somebody that literally, if they have to, could get in the car and go do things for you. Is that like a one-time fee or is that like a recurring charge? Yeah, it's usually it's usually an annual fee if they're going to mm-hmm. do something for you, but it also might be packaged. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like if, if the bank has all your accounts there, they might go, yeah, we'll take care of that for you um, to keep you as a customer. Mm-hmm. And they're required by law to be fiduciary. There's this thing called custody where they actually have control of your accounts. They get audited every year on this. Like they have all the paperwork. They have That's the bonus versus my nephew who... I don't know you, but I got some good nephews and I got some bad nephews. No, I'm joking. <laughs> you know, you never know, or your friend, or you know, all those um, those really sad movies where you see where somebody took advantage of someone else mm-hmm. and all that. So, a professional trustee can do that for your living will and your will. So, the the living will is for your medical stuff, and then you have a medical um, power of attorney or medical proxy. Each state has its own verbiage, so watch that. Then your will is, hey, what happens to my stuff when I pass? That can be very simple, but you need an executor who actually does the work. But the other thing is what's called a durable power of attorney. This one's a little weird. So this is that question of who takes care of you if you are incapacitated. Uh I mean, let's be real. If I'm dead, mm, I don't care. (laughs) If I'm incapacitated, I need somebody I trust like 110%. But they're not like, I'm going to sell everything he owns and put him in Uh a home. Yeah. so you want to make sure you have that. Uh, and the durable power of attorney, what you can do is they call them springable. That's a technical term, but they only go into effect when something's happened. 
Now, if you do that, whoever, you know, often it's the same person as the medical proxy as the durable power attorney and others, make sure they have all the paperwork because that's important. Like, uh, so I was working with somebody the other day and their parents have everything in their safe deposit box. Well, if you die, I can't get into your safe deposit box. You got to find that key. <laughs> <laughs> well, even if you have it, you need to yeah. have a signatory and all that. Yep. You need to know where the bank is and death certificate, everything. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the will was in the safe deposit box, which says who's supposed to do this stuff. <laughs> now you're in court. Okay. Yeah. And probate courts are slow, let's call it that, inexpensive. So you want to make sure that you, you have that documentation in advance. The other thing you can do is you can add them as what's called a trusted person on your account. This one's a little technical, but it's a big issue for elderly who start losing uh, some of their mental capacities. And others, there's a lot of elder abuse. Oh yeah. So a trusted person says, "Hey, I trust this person to make decisions." It's kind of like in the medical, you sign the HIPAA waiver saying, "Hey, I, they're okay looking at my file." You want to make sure that's in place before. You have any problems mm -hmm. so when do you do that today yeah okay it doesn't matter what age you're at um you can use there's some online services that do it local attorneys do it whatever it's not expensive um each state's got its own thing you know one state you have to have like two witnesses one has to be notarized figure out your state's local issue but get that paperwork today even if that person might not be your counter brother person you might not be the in your financial plan at least you have the documentation to cover you. The other thing that ends up happening with that is you'll match your beneficiaries and your accounts to that plan. So, you know, for the single people that were married, this one's a nightmare of, hey, my ex is still on as my beneficiary or still on as my power of attorney or still on. That gets... <laughs> that can get real hairy. <laughs> Oh yeah. I, I can tell you some fun stories on that one that would make you cry, but it's like, you don't think of these things because your medical record, like, Oh, I've moved three States. Yeah. But it's still computerized and it's still got your ex in there. Mm -hmm. So you make sure you want to update those at a regular basis. But the bottom line from a financial standpoint, standing point, single is pretty easy. As long as you have somebody to provide accountability and somebody you trust. What do you think about that Cody? I mean, it, there's different scenarios out there and, you know, I feel for the folks that maybe they don't have a, a sibling that they could, you know, fall back to. They may not have really any family to fall back to, and they may not have really built any close relationships with friends, you know, since like school days, they, maybe they've moved on or maybe they didn't have close friends then. And so, yeah, they're literally like, you know, kind of out there doing their own thing. So I, yeah. I mean, what, what would you recommend for a person like that? Just to, like you said, maybe go to the bank or just, google trustee in their city and just see see what pops up yeah and chances are whoever you have a um banking relationship with other they already exist if you ask your old school was the local bank was trustees for a lot of stuff uh -huh. you know they've just always been for like nonprofits, other things that still exists if you have one of the big banks you know you're an online bank and probably not yeah um, so it's part of that relationship the other thing to think about is if you're single, just some, just working through this stuff step-by-step step, and you're not alone. Reach out to people, talk to people. Um, you know, later on I'll tell you about, I have actually opportunities so you can actually come work in a group on it. But the point is just 
get some get somebody to bounce things off of mm -hmm. and then make sure you have the right paperwork yeah and so that's just a quick note for anyone you know put in the comments like what what's your situation do you have do you have these things in order yes no you're working on it thinking about it you know let us know we're live at the moment this will all be archived later put on our uh Chalfrey family youtube and facebook page but right now it's live so if you join in you can uh even throw a question at us we're here to help so let's jump in the next thing it is planning with couples yeah so couples i intentionally want to think about this as are you married or not mm -hmm. um even if you're married there are some differences between them but I, I so i just finished a whole bunch of research for my new book and the amount of people that were in relationships for decades and never had a formal marriage was, is, is amazing I mean, so that's a child-free thing. You know, on average, I told you 32.1% for uh -huh. child, childless, 2.5% of parents were never married in their life. So that means just about all of them. Yeah. So we have a different way of looking at it, and that's okay. But you want to think about it. So let's go through the marriage stuff on should you get married. Um, so Cody, how long have you been married? Uh, since 2010, so 12 years now. How long have you been happily married? Beyond 12 years. <laughs> that's a trick question. Okay. I want to see if you fell for it. But that's that's the classic. Yeah, I've been married for 12 years and happily married for five. No, um, that's a joke. But you've been married a while. Would you do it again? If if I found someone as great as my wife, which I don't don't know if I would. So but I'm, I I I do recommend it to people if you can find that person. Marriage is a beautiful thing. It's it truly is a partnership. It's you and them against the world. You know, you're a team. You're it's it's like your own little mini business. You know, you're you're partners in it. You make decisions together, and you got to trust each other. And that's that's the way I, I look at it. Yeah, and, and when I talk about marriage, I'm not talking about the ceremony. I'm not talking about your beliefs on marriage. I'm talking about a legal issue. Mm -hmm. It's a legal and financial issue. Romantically, that's up to you. How long should you be dating? Oh, that's a whole different show. I think we're going to take, you know, we, we'll, we'll leave that to Lenora. She can deal with that one. Well, you, you said like, was it 2.5% of people that have kids have been married? I mean, have not. That'd be 90, what is that? 97.5. Yeah, have, have been married. But, um, you know, I would think that that's probably because they had a kid and they were married. And it, that statistic again doesn't say how long they were married or how many other times they've been married. So it's were like they happy. They were the happy. It's a yeah, it's a big mixed bag. Like you know, sometimes companies use big statistics like that. It's like oh, it makes it seem like you know we're a bunch of heathens that you know just out there living that child-free life. And uh, but you know, there's not all that information given in that ninety-seven point five percent either. So yeah, and, and by the way, if marriage isn't for you. That's cool too. Mm -hmm. We just have to have another plan. So let me go through the the good and bad of marriage and each of these are going to have kind of an up and down and let you decide. There you go. I am not weighing in on should you <laughs> get married. Uh, I'll let that, leave that to Cody. All right. <laughs> so the most common answer I hear why people got married, let's ignore the love debate is healthcare. Mm. I want to be on their insurance. <laughs> like this is like an absolute, like, Hey, I went down to the town hall. We signed the papers. I'm on their insurance. Some people are getting married literally just for that. Like they're, you know, just kind of a platonic relationship and they're not dating anybody seriously. They don't see marriage in their future with another person. And so they might have a friend and they're like, well, let's do this for the benefit, you know? Yep. 
there's been a topic of a couple of movies and some mm-hmm. fun stuff in there. So yeah, health benefits, that's a great opportunity. Take a look. Some companies are starting to offer health benefits for long-term relationships. Now, how do you document that? Mm, that's that's between you and the company. I'm not like, sure we, how that works. We met back on MySpace or AOL, and they'll be like, okay, that's legit. That's like definitely old. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, Cody, it's only usually like two or five years or something like okay. that. Um, but that's very few companies that are doing that. So what happens is being married gets you into like the spousal benefits of healthcare. Some companies offer life insurance. Some, you know, there's like a whole list and you're either in or out. Um, you know, my wife works in academia. One of the benefits there is if a spouse can get a free college in some areas. Yeah. But if you're just shacking up, no. Um, so it's, a, it's one of those that, that they, there's not much way around. Okay, this is one of those you cannot make a difference. You can't say, hey, blah, blah, blah. So that's just a debate on the paperwork. Now, the second one is this debate on taxes. Now, you will hear people swear you save money by being married, uh-huh. and you'll have people swear you save money by being single. They're both <laughs> right. They are 100% right for their situation. So there's this weird math so when, the, when most of the tax laws were made, it was assumption that one spouse was making all the money and one wasn't. Mm. So most of the rules are written around there and there's some penalties for being married, filing single. And they don't call it penalties, but essentially you get charged money of, uh, well, you know, you're hiding money from one person to the other. And mm. um, the bottom line taxes, no clue. It's <laughs> like you'd have to run the math on do you save money being married or not, we're single. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, very rare for us as child free, going to qualify as head of household unless we had like a dependent somehow, like a family member or all, you know, even your elderly parent living with you could be a dependent, qualifies head of household. But it's going to be married or single. Once you're married, you're required to file married, even if you filed married filing single. And that's just IRS making things every confusing. What? <laughs> <laughs> but the tax benefits. It depends on your situation. Yeah, there's no other weird, you know, way around that. Um, the only way to do it is to like do a fake tax return and see what happens. Which, uh-huh. by the way, people are like, hey, date night on Friday, we're doing taxes. <laughs> Play with numbers on paper. <laughs> so keep that in mind. Now your credit together could be a benefit, or it could hurt you. So let's say you're applying for a house. We're going to keep using that house example. So if my wife and I apply for a house. What they're going to do is they're going to take our combined income for the debt to income ratios, which means we're going to be able to afford more house in general. But what they're going to do is take the lowest credit score between the two of us. Uh-huh. So we get the benefit of the income, but the minus of the credit. Which um, might be something that a lot of people don't think about. It's like, oh, my spouse has way better credit than me. So that's going to help us get the house, basically. And it's like, oh, no, they're onto that. They're hip to that idea. <laughs> Yeah. By the way, another date night idea, credit report sharing. Oh my gosh. When you get to like, you're going to like get engaged or you're going to be serious. I mean, that should be like third date material. In my opinion, it's like bring bring out your, like your, your credit history, your driving history. Like let's just hash it all out right now. (laughs) Well, what the credit report should really tell you is what you're doing with money. Mm. I don't really care about the numbers, you know, people of college debt and whatever, but are they living in debt or are they, you know, one's living with debt and one's got none. One's got, you know, never pays on time. One always does. 
so when you're married, you kind of mix those. The other thing is, depending on the state, you may gain some of those debts from each other, share some of them, not. Um, it gets weird on mm -hmm. whether or not you have responsibility. Uh, so just keep that in mind. The, there is a good thing to being married that you can gift as much as you want to each other, which normally there's a $16,000 cap. Mm -hmm. So um, if I bought my wife a car, no big deal. If we're dating and I bought her a car, that would probably go over the gift tax. I'd have to file with the IRS or pay on that. There's also an estate tax limit. Now, this is a little ridiculous, but married, if you give away to another generation, you can give away $21 million and never pay tax on it. Mm. That's all of our goal right there. Give away $21 million. You got an extra $21 million, Cody? Because I'll be your kid for that <laughs> We'll figure the paperwork out. <laughs> uh, sorry, it's $24.12 million. Sorry, it went up. $24 million. So not a big issue for us. It's actually a bigger issue for people with kids because you can actually pass down the estates. And that's why you'll hear about generational wealth mm -hmm. and they actually don't pay tax on it forever. That's a, another scam. But gifting does become a thing. Also, being married helps you with medical directives. So my, you know, even without a, a living will, my wife could go in the hospital and say, hey, we're married. They may actually ask for a copy of the marriage license if they were confused. Mm -hmm especially if we have different last names. That's a common one. If mm -hmm. you have different last names, you better carry the paperwork. But that gives her at least some say. If we were dating for 10 years and never married, they're like, yeah, that's nice. You're a friend. Um, we're going to listen to his parents. Or if the parents aren't around, they listen to anyone. Mm -hmm. So that's one of those little funky ones. The last one on marriage, uh, and this is just a call out. There are nine states that do things differently than everybody else. They're of course the there are. <laughs> it's, it, it's just how it goes. The community property states. Um, and I'm going to read those because I can never get them in order. So Arizona, California, Idaho, Louisiana, Nevada, New Mexico, Texas, Washington, and Wisconsin. If you're one of those states, got to look at how they work with property because there's kind of the way it works is in most states and they each can do things a little differently. Anything that's in the marriage you split. In other states, there might be caveats to say, I bought this, it's mine. And that's where we start getting in this debate and we get a prenups and all that. But that's a that's a completely different topic that I am not going into this uh, this thing. But save it for Hollywood. <laughs> my point is if you're in one of those nine states, gotta read that. Mm. So here's the thing. That's all happens when you get married like immediately. All of that stuff. If you're not married, you need a plan for all of that. What do you think about yeah. that? Cody? I mean, yeah. it, well, it almost seems like it's um, kind of a, the the, the built-in benefit of getting married. It's like, well, you have a lot of these things checking the boxes, you know, getting a pass on, you know, to have paperwork taken care of or make things a little bit easier down the road. So, um, yeah, it just goes along with, you know, it, 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 marrying for uh, love or for convenience, I guess, to, you know, have that person there as your, your you know, ride or die kind of situation so um yeah i mean what do you think about the the couples in combining finances all right so now we've gotten married out of the play out of the way yeah. now we have to look at is are you doing things together or not and we're going to talk about three different types combining finances we're just running side by side like roommates or this weird mix by the way you'll find i don't like the weird mix because it's just never clear 
So the combined finances says, okay, you know, so this has happened to be me and my wife. Everything's combined. All of our finances together, all of our financial plans together, all of our goals are together. We have to find a balance between what she wants to buy and what I want to buy, which sometimes is its own challenge. Um, especially, you know, you, you can put money aside for fun pocket money, but especially when you don't agree on what it is, small things here, they're always messy up. But combined finances, you're in it together. The good thing of that is you're, you're both going in the same direction. That's the bonus. Downside is it takes a lot of communication, a lot of trust. Mm-hmm. Do you and your wife combine your finances, Cody? We do. And, uh, you know, when we went to, we both had separate banks and different bank accounts at the time. And when I brought her to my bank to have her put on to my account, literally the the banker was sitting across the desk and they're like, are you sure? It's like, yeah, <laughs> she's right here. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Like, let's do this. Um, so, but I can imagine that, I mean, they, they kind of see everything and like, again, they're like, oh, are you sure you want to do this? I mean, I don't, if you're in that scenario, I don't know what you would do, but I mean, yeah, the way we saw our situation and being married is, yeah, let's combine everything and, you know, everything's split where, you know, all the funds go into one pot and everything's paid out of it. And, you know, there you go. Yeah. And it, it is a trust thing. So here's what happens. My wife and I are on the account together. If she wants to stop at the bank on the way home and just pull it all out, she can. I can say nothing about it. Bank's not going to stop her. You'll just get a, a notification of her with a Mai Tai on a beach <laughs> somewhere. Gone. She left me with the dogs. Oh, wait. <laughs> no, she, she probably take the those. dogs and leave me. That's <laughs> how that would work. But that's that's the, the downside of combined finances. The good part of that is if one of us passes away, the other one just kind of owns it. There's no like big paperwork issues to go through because your name is on the account, which is one of the big reasons that we did it too. And and even with like, a, you know, like our stock portfolio account, I made sure that I had her put on there as well. That way, if something happens to me, she doesn't have to go through all the rigmarole of proving that we're married and sending in documents. It's like she has access to it, like right there to make any changes or whatever. Yeah. And where it becomes an issue is the house. If you mm-hmm. own a house together, it passes. By the way, this is one of those where that state where we talked about. There's some states that are special. There's some rules there. They get weird, but I don't have, I don't get kicked out. Okay. Yeah. If we're doing, if we're doing them separately, if it's just in her name and she dies, technically I'm a squatter mm-hmm. um, and my in-laws own the house. So, so you have to be careful on that. And I'm sure there are some scenarios where couples do this specifically. They only have one spouse on a house because maybe the other one is, and heavy risk with whatever business they're doing as far as finances go. And they want to keep things in different streams. But um, yeah, if something happens, then yeah, it's no longer your house. The bank's going to say, Hey, Valenos. <laughs> yeah. And there's some horror stories there. And here, here's the thing. If you're combining your finances, especially if you're not married, you need a partnership agreement. So you're going to need something on paper that says we're doing this together. And the way we look at it in partnerships, there's five D's you got to watch out for. So let me run these through. Divorce, drugs, disability, death, and disinterest. Now, that's just kind of, they want to have a mnemonic that works. (laughs) Bottom line is, there's a lot of reasons why people want to get out. As child-free folks, we have to add a sixth D, diapers. Mm. What happens if somebody all of a sudden changes their mind? I need a plan. So the partnership agreement needs to say, what are we doing? Married, you, you already have a legal partnership agreement from the government. Not married, you need to get one written up. And I do encourage it 
with, with that type of agreement that you actually work with a local attorney on that because you want to make sure you have that all right. So, for example, let's say Cody and I are friends and we want to buy a house together. That's fine as long as we have an agreement on how we're combining it mm-hmm. and we have it all written out. Mm-hmm. The, the nightmare is we buy a house together. One of us says, I want out. And the other one's like, yep. no. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. Or the other one that happens often. I want to do this repair to the house or this improvement. And the other person's like, yeah, no. Mm-hmm. Now we're, we're, we're going downhill. So if you're going to combine it, combine them completely, have an agreement, or be married. So let's go to the next option. Yeah. So the next option finances. is, I call them roommates. Hmm. You know, you run two separate financial plans, you share some bills, you do your own thing. Good thing is, you're essentially single. Right now, if you're married, if you're married and you haven't combined your finances, you're getting into a weird world because the state and the federal government may think they're combined. Your mortgage may think they're combined, but you don't think they're combined. Does that make sense to you? Cody? It, yeah, it does. Yeah. They're, they're going to say, you know, if you're married, you have a certificate, separate incomes. It's like, but you're paying the utilities together. You're paying the mortgage together, rent together, whatever it may be. And so, yeah, your finances in their eyes, it's pooled money, even though it's in two different streams. Yep. And you're going to be married filing, even if you filed single, you're still married filing something mm-hmm. on the taxes. By the way, there are some quirks where marrying filed single might save you some on student loans. And there's some like weird things that do fit in there. But realize if you're married, they're not truly separate uh, in the eyes of the government. But let's say you're not married. You're going to do separate finances. You're going to follow the same advice of the single folks. You're going to run your own thing. And then the big thing here is document whatever bills you're going to pay to each other and why and how. Mm-hmm. So the common one is like, I pay the house, you pay the utilities. Or like there's like some split like mm-hmm. that. Make sure you get that in writing and make sure you understand, hey, I paid that bill or I didn't. You know, do a Google Sheets you can share or something. So you know what you're doing and you're putting some documentation on this. Um, the hard part is like, Hey, I've been in a long relationship for 10 years. I love the person, but I'm going to treat him like a roommate. Yes. Financially, you are. You, romantically, you can do yeah. whatever you want. Yeah. Financially, we're running two different checkbooks in this case. We're running two different businesses. They may or may not be the beneficiary on my stuff. I may give it to them. I may not. Mm-hmm. If I'm married, they, you can do like, it's called a simple will. It's called I love you will. I give you my stuff. You give me mine. Yours. That, that's it. Well, if we're single and coupled, we might have some other spin on it. Yeah, you know, I want to give mine to rescue the monkeys and my wife wants to rescue the dogs, mm-hmm. uh, whatever it is. But you need to have a plan for keeping that separate. The, the challenge is when people go to the next one, let's go to the next one, which just makes it weird, which is called a hybrid. <laughs> so we do some things together and we do other things alone. The classic of this is yours, mine and ours. Mm-hmm. So we do the house together, but everything else we do alone. Or do you travel in the house? Or, or The problem is people trying to use this as a bridge to combining their finances, but you're making it harder because you're, you're like one foot in, I'm single, and ha- one foot in, I'm doing it together. And the result is that we get into the trust and communication issues. It becomes a nightmare. you know. And, and I see this sometimes when friends buy houses together. So the house we're doing together and then we're doing the single, but our goals of the house are not the same Mm -hmm. or our goals for saving are not the same. And it starts like 
it's possible. It's just really hard. Yeah. That makes sense, Cody. Yeah. It, well, in a lot of the child-free Facebook groups, like it comes up a lot that, you know, oh, I'm, I'm, you know, with my boyfriend or, you know, we're going to get married. Should we combine finances? And people give their scenarios and situations, which again, hey, in the comments, do the same thing here. But, you know, they say, oh, no, we have our own accounts, but then we have one joint account that we put in our finances for the, you know, rent, mortgage, utilities, groceries, whatever it's going to be. But they have their own separate play money or their own separate whatever, whatever they do with that money, money. Um, so yeah, it's, it's not uncommon, uh, but I can definitely see where it can get a little squirrely. Yeah. And, and what I hear people say is, well, but I need to have money to buy gifts and I, cool. What you do is combine finances and you have pocket money. Mm. You know, that's what we call it. It's just like, you know, I get $200 a month and my wife gets $200 a month to do whatever we want with. And we don't question that, you know, you want to save yours and buy something big. You want to spend it all on something. Uh-huh. Cool. That's the way to do it. Like we're combined, but we have a little spending money separate. Mm-hmm. That is all we're on the same goals versus, well, we're going to do this together, this separate, but this separate and this, you know, like, huh? And what happens is the hybrid is where the fight starts because we don't know if we're together mm-hmm. or not. If we're, if we're two roommates to do separate finances, that's easy. If we're together, that's easy. The somewhere in between just gets sticky. Yeah, I could see that. <laughs> the other thing that happens the way I look at it from a financial planner, if you're doing it together, that's one financial plan. Doing it singly, it's two. Hybrid is three. So mm-hmm. now we're getting more and more complex. And what happens is as you add more financial plans, yeah. you have multiple goals and they start competing with each other. You have to plan for person A, person B, and then the combined person C. Which <laughs> it, it does work and I've done it yeah. before. It's yeah. just really hard. So let's talk about groups. All right. So I'm seeing in the child-free community, both romantic and non-romantic groups together doing financial planning. Um, and that's fine. doesn't matter what you want to do. It doesn't, your relationship within the group doesn't matter. This it's, isn't some child-free cult that we're making. This isn't like a. <laughs> oh, no, I mean, you know, people go, well, you know, I often, when I do my stuff, I say, I, I handle financial, I, I do financial planning for Child-free individuals, couples, and groups. And they go, groups? What are you talking uh-huh. about? No, this could be the four, you know, we talk about the four elderly ladies owning the castle. Or it could be a polycule with, you know, a whole bunch of romantic intertwines. Anyone that's been in a group, either in a friend group or romantic, no communication and trust becomes a big issue. Uh-huh. So the first option we have is group, and we're doing it all together. Uh-huh. Come on. Here's what you just did. You formed an LLC in most states. That's a business. And the business buys the house together or whatever else. And we're all on the same business. It works. Here's some rules on it. One, got to have the partnership agreement. (laughs) And that partnership agreement now not only has to have all those Ds, but it has to have what is called a buy-sell agreement. Mm -hmm. So if I'm in a group of four friends, we buy a house together, I have to have some rule of how I buy out the other person. I call it an exit strategy. Like, you know, what's... You know, do the pull cord. What's up? Yeah. Or if, if one of us dies, does the other one just get it? And it gets into that gift tax problem mm-hmm. because now I'm giving stuff to people that I'm not married to. Remember, in the United States, you can only marry one person. That's a technical thing. So a group automatically is a business. That might mean different insurance, different legalese. Got to have an attorney dry that up. They don't care why you're a group. So 
don't tell them. Um, just we're buying this together. We want to have a partnership agreement. So you're going to be doing that together. And one of the challenges here is make sure you have something for voting in there of how do we make decisions. If you have a group of four, you get stuck in the tie problem. Yeah. I want to fix the house and I want to fix the house and the other two don't. So sometimes one person has an extra vote. Sometimes I've seen somewhere it's flip a coin. Mm-hmm. If we get tied, we flip a coin and we stick with it. That's fine. You just need an answer. Need something. <laughs> Combined group, you're running a business. Not a big deal. The second one is I'm in a group and I'm doing it separately. Well, you're four, five, six, seven single people all doing things together. You know, you're in the same physical structure maybe or what, but you've got your own individual plan. Not a big deal. Follow the single. Couple things to think about here. When you get to the medical pro- medical proxy and the power of attorney, you might be better off getting somebody not in the group mm. because now we get into the debate of you, the nightmare. So I worked as a medic for a while. And what you don't want is four people around the bedside debating what to do with your medical decision. Mm-hmm. Or for, for everyone to pile, dogpile on one person and they get in charge of everybody and then yeah. something happens to them. It's like. <laughs> so what I have seen in some groups is. Well, this person handles all the medical. This person handles all the, the financial. It works, but then you need to have a way to get them out, mm-hmm. you know, especially if the group changes. So trustees, a good answer here too. Make sure you have that documentation. But what I do encourage you is any type of group structure, everybody needs a copy of all the paperwork. Oh, yeah. And you need it on both phone and in paper. So we, we're right now, I don't know about you, Cody, but we're in tornado, tornado season here. And the tornado warnings have been going off left and right. Well, all my paperwork is gone literally up and at least it's on my phone yeah. so that I can use it somewhere. Um, so that's kind of one of those balancing act. Makes you get there. The third option is this hybrid. Thing. And, and I put on the paperwork, good luck. Uh, <laughs> I don't, I'm in the South. We can say, bless your heart. Uh, this, is, this is a nightmare. Okay. So here's what happens. So if I have a group of three, let's just start with that. I effectively have what I call factorial number of financial plans, three times two times one. So I actually have six financial plans just for a group of three. Uh-huh. I, I consider myself pretty smart, but I'm not sure I can keep straight. <laughs> Which one is going away? Like it gets really crazy. Some people will do like the business buys the house. We're all together on that. Never completely single. That's an option. We're not really combined but we have a goal together. That's workable. When we start kind of going more than that, it gets really kooky on, well, I own part of this and you want to do this. (laughs) When it comes to group, either do everything together or do it singly is going to be the the cleanest way to Uh do that. Um, A business is an option. You can buy it with a business and then you all own part of the business, but then the business is making the decision, not the individuals technically. So, this hybrid, like this is one of those, like the communication issues that go along with it. I'm like, ah, you're asking for a fight. <laughs> does that make sense, Cody? It, it does. And the, like the, the, the group feature, it's something it, it may sound foreign now, but you know, to, to the people again in the future, watching this archive, they were like, Oh yeah. Like I know some friends that are doing, they're buying a house together or, you know, whatever they're flipping houses. Uh, maybe that's a little business that they're starting up and you know, whatever. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it to me it, it it seems like it almost makes sense for the upcoming generation, given the housing market issue that we're having now. If there's not like a massive correction and things come down or stabilize, 
it's gonna be so hard for one person to buy a house. And so if you're not married, definitely harder. So then you're looking at like a group aspect of purchasing a house to, uh, to live in. So, yeah. And I think, um, you and I might be a little bit of old fuddy duddies, uh, might be, (laughs) but this group thing is very popular. Yeah. Romantic or not. It's something I'm seeing regularly. It's not like it's like just a one-off here or there. And what happens is, so I was just having this conversation with one of my colleagues the financial software just goes explodes because the financial software either assumes you're single or married. It doesn't yeah. even get a couple that's not married. Yeah. In many cases. And then a group, it goes, mm. <laughs> so you throw away a lot of it. But I think what I'm trying to do is bring it up as a discussion. So you're being intentional about it. Not, oh, we'll figure it out as we go. Yeah. Along. Or we heard of this thing, let's give it a try without really diving into, like you said, they might choose the hybrid, which might be the most difficult one for them to try to figure out. But they're like, oh, but we're all pals. Like, we got this. So what I hear (laughs) from both the hybrid groups and couples is it's, let's try combining some stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, "Ah." it's like being kind of pregnant. You can't, okay? That's that's where you you go Yoda. Do or do not. There is no try. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Here's my thing, though, on financial planning. My rule. If you're working with me, if you're a couple or a group and you're doing financials together, you got to all be at the meetings. So I, I just did an article on um, there's a growing thing called financial infidelity or financial mm-hmm. cheating. And what happens is one person in a couple or group says, you handle it. And everybody else is like, all right. And that person does. Where'd Bob get that jet ski? <laughs> the taxes are a big one. Yeah. Uh, gambling you know, drinking, other things like that. And my answer is you got to be part of the process. That's it. So I think my point is you got to have a plan. You got to have a structure that works for you and you have to make a decision. Are we doing this together? Are we doing it separately? And then work it through. You know, so if, if I work with a couple and they're doing financials completely single, we're doing two separate plans. We Mm. might not even meet together because what one person wants might actually not fit the other one. So it's a balancing act. Yeah. And you gave a little bit of a tease earlier. So we'll kind of wrap it up here. But your site, uh, chopfreewealth.com, you're looking at having a special thing happening soon. Yeah. So I've started opening up on Fridays at 10 a.m. Central group open hours. You can sign up, come in, bring your questions. Um, it is not broadcast like this. Okay. <laughs> uh, we set the Vegas rules. What happens there stays there, but it's an opportunity just to bounce things around. I also do offer that, you know, if you want to meet one-on-one, I have a no cost meeting. We do that. But the group, the nice thing is it's that accountability to each other. Mm-hmm. You can work it through. It's limited to 12 people. You can sign up at Child Free Wealth. The other one, since we're plugging, coming out June 1st, my new hey, book, there it is. Child Free Wealth. It's in it's your hand. not for resales and author copy, but it exists. <laughs> It's there. That's stories. awesome, man. Congrats. Um, I'm pretty excited about it. Um, the big thing, so I, I put this out to a whole bunch of readers, and, and they said, every single one of them said, oh, I found somebody like me. Mm-hmm. Oh, I like this story because, and I hate to say it, but in the child-free community, it's nice to know we're not so weird. You know, <laughs> there's a lot of us out there, you know, 11% of the U.S., over 55, but it's nice to have some stories and go, Oh, that's mm-hmm. how they did it. So, well, and just kind of tying that back into your group, like that's 
to me, that's the cool thing about what you're doing with that is not just the accountability, but just hearing other people's scenarios and stories. And while you're a wealth of information, someone may have literally have lived through what they're talking about and they might be able to provide some advice as well, or just having a, a sounding board or at my, as my wife and I say, a, a peer, like it's, mm -hmm. it's very hard for child-free people to find uh, a peer, especially in, in the financial realm because of just the world that we kind of run in. The, the other thing, Cody, let's be real. People would much rather have a group and talk about their sex life than they would their finances. <laughs> That's a whole different group. Man. It's just, we're both having topics, but people don't want to talk about their finances. Yeah, well, that's private. Finances are so, finances and voting are so private. Don't ever talk about that, but yeah. So. The truth is we're all struggling. You know, yeah. whether we're, even if we're doing well, we still have some struggles. So. Trying to figure it out, yeah. And so um, folks in the comments in the future, let us know what you guys would like Dr. J and I to talk about. Our next episode, episode 11, we're going to try to focus on balancing saving with the guilt of spending. And that's something that I definitely fall in the category of. So I'm looking forward to that conversation. Um, any parting words, Dr. J? I think we're going to put Cody on the couch for that one. Oh, Cody, <laughs> help me. Um, by the way, also, don't forget to put a plug for the Child Free Convention. Child for Conventions coming up uh, July 30th and 31st, 2022. Two day event, tons of speakers, tons of awesome topics. Looking really looking forward to it. There's a lot of planning going on behind the scenes. Go to uh, childfreeconvention.com for info. Sign up for the email list so you get little updates and sneak peeks as they come out. But yeah, and uh, thank you, Dr. J. You, you stepped up. You're, you're not only a speaker, you're also going to be one of our uh, sponsors for the event. So we really appreciate that. Um, and yeah, this it's a super cool work. The encouragement we're getting from the child care community is it's humbling, it's overwhelming. It, I mean, we're doing this for you guys. It's a hundred percent volunteer driven. No one's getting paid to speak. No one's getting paid to put it on for sure. I can tell you that. Uh, it's it's all for just the love of the child care community and providing Q and A's and questions and topics for what what our lives are like. What what's like to be in a child care lifestyle. So, yeah. Yeah. Very cool. So with that being said, thank you. And uh, we'll see everybody next time. Peace. We hope you enjoyed this episode presented by Child Free Media Limited. To stay current with child free content like this, please visit childfreemedia.com and subscribe to the newsletter.